Well, good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. My name's Matt. If this is your first time here, welcome. So glad you're here. At this time, I'm going to have the new members come forward. So um, if you're a new member at Mission View Church, come forward. Stand right here in front of the stage, please. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Come on up. As they're coming, I just want to share with you a little bit about membership at Mission View Church. We believe church membership is biblical. That once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a part of the universal church. But joining together with a particular church to use your gifts, serve others, grow in your faith, and do life with other believers is something that God intends for all Christians to do. In Acts 11.26, God's word says Barnabas and Saul met with the church. And in Acts 12, it says Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. And then in Acts 14, it says they gathered the church together to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We believe that to actually live out those one another's, we actually have to be in relationship with one another. And this brings up all kinds of, of, of thoughts and ideas. One is a, a really scary word called risk. Anytime you enter into deep, vulnerable, uh, trusting relationship with another human being or another sinner, there is a chance that it could be difficult or hard. And so what we, what we want to do is encourage risk to step into relationship, to make that sacrifice and be willing to be vulnerable with other believers in Christ. So to the new members, I'm going to ask them a couple questions and I'm going to ask some questions to our church here, Mission View as well. New members, do you affirm that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that by grace through faith in Christ Jesus alone you have been saved, not by any work that you have done, but only by the work of Christ? If so, answer, I do. Will you submit your discipleship to the authority of Mission View Church and its leaders? If so, answer, I will. Will you partner with Mission View Church with your time, talents, and treasures as you use your gifts for the common good? If so, answer, we will. Now, Mission View Church, will you do everything in your power to come alongside these new members, encouraging them, challenging them, stirring them up to love and good works, praying for them to serve the Lord on mission together? If so, answer, we will. Amen. Excited. Let's give them a round of applause. Welcome them. What a step this is. Is my mic cutting out? Is this one cutting out too? Let's try this one. Is that one cutting out too? Okay, sounds better. Good. Okay. What a, what a great step for them, but also for us. It's so encouraging to see God moving here at Mission View Church and moving on the hearts of people who come here to serve and, and use their gifts for God's kingdom. So would you bow with me as we pray over them together? Definitely, Father, we thank you for bringing these people here. God, that nothing happens by happenstance. Father, that you have been working your will, your purpose, and your way in their hearts and in their lives. 
that you've brought them here for such a time as this. God, we call out the gifts that you have given them. God, that they would just come out and that they would serve you for your glory and for your kingdom. Give them opportunities to share the gospel. Give them opportunities to serve their brothers and sisters in Christ. Give them opportunity to be in relationship with other believers. God, that we would live out the gospel with and for one another. That we would be a beacon, a light, and hope, salt and light here. That the world would look in and see what they're missing. God, may your love be prevalent in the lives of these in and us too. Father, we come together as a church. We surrender to you, and we welcome these new members into our family. In Jesus' name, amen. You can find your seats, guys. Thank you so much. So exciting. We actually have a a membership class today after church, and um, that's going to be exciting too. But uh, we are in a sermon series called The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Uh, Mike Mischa did prayer this morning. He referred to it just a little bit. We've been looking at the life of Saul. He started out so good. It was so promising. He was God's chosen, anointed by Samuel, you know, and he was, he was doing really well. He, he defeated some people, protected Israel for a time, and then it got really bad. I mean, what are, you know, what, what do they say? Um, uh, power corrupts, abs- absolute power corrupts, absolutely. We kind of saw that in Saul last week. And I'm going to tell you, give you a little bit of a warning here. It get, just gets worse and worse and worse. So fasten your seatbelts. Today's sermon, though, there's, there's, if I could sum up today's sermon in one word, it would be this, and you can write this down in your notes. It's surrender. It is surrender. We're going to look at Saul and his unwillingness to surrender to God. But at the same time, we're going to look at this, this new character that kind of came on the scene last week, David, who was anointed king in Saul's place. Now, king was, or Saul was still acting as king. But what we see in David is the polar opposite of what we see in Saul. And we see this willingness to surrender uh, in David and an unwillingness to surrender in Saul. But, but we're going to look at the word surrender and what that really actually means. I went and saw... Um, Top Gun Maverick the other day. I, I thought it was a great movie, really enjoyed it. I was on the edge of my seat, you know, kind of gripping the side of the seat and watching this thing go on. And there's this um, relationship with, between Tom Cruise, who's Maverick, and this other guy, and I'm totally forgetting his name, but it's the son of the guy who died in the first movie. And this son kind of holds Tom Cruise's character accountable for his dad's death, and he, he hates Tom Cruise, and, you know, just there's this animosity going on through this whole thing, but they have to go on this mission together. They have to fly through this like canyon and it's like almost nearly impossible. Nobody thinks they can do it, but, but Maverick's Maverick, right? So he can do it and he does all this crazy stuff. And, and as they're, they're going through this, um, this character who has this animosity towards Maverick is struggling. He's going through these canyons and he's, he's, you know, he's going too slow. They have to make it there in a certain amount of time. He's going way too slow. And Tom Cruise says, you've got to trust what you've learned. You have to trust this, this practice and this work that you've done. You've just got to give it over and trust and go. And it's, I mean, it's getting really close. You're on the edge of your seat, and he's like, is he going to make it? And he just hits the afterburners and just surrenders over to all this work and practice that he's done. And, of course, he catches up to Maverick, and they make it to the end. And, you know, well, I don't want to give away the end of the movie. But, right, <laughs> spoiler alert, 
Spoiler, that's what my daughters would say. Spoiler alert. No, but I haven't seen it yet. Sorry, Addy. My bad. No, but he surrenders to all this practice, and you just see it on his face, and he just takes that deep breath, hits the afterburners, and goes. Now, it's a little bit different with us and the Lord, right? We're not going to surrender to ourself and our practice, but what God does call us to is to take that deep breath and surrender to him. The work that he's done, the work that Christ did on the cross for us. And when we take that deep breath and we hand over our lives to the Lord, something miraculous, something supernatural, something life-changing happens that can only happen in the hands of our creator. We're going to look at that today. Saul's unwilling to do it, and we're going to look at what happens when we're unwilling to do that. David's willing to do it, and we're going to see what happens when we're willing to surrender to the Lord. Let's go to God in prayer before we read his word today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, as we look at the life of King Saul, Father, teach us, open our eyes, open our hearts and our minds. Father, we pray that we would be a different person, people walking out of here today than we were walking in because we've met with our creator, that your Holy Spirit has done the work that only you can do. You have changed our hearts, God. So come and change our hearts. We surrender to you, and we pray that we can continue to surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 24. If you don't have your Bibles with you, we'll put these scriptures up on the screen so you can follow along with us. Pick it up here in chapter 4. It says, When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goats, rocks. And he came to the sheepfold by the way where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, said to David, Here is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. You might want to underline that, circle that or highlight that, however you do that, that afterward, David's heart struck him. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. To put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Now the first feeling in your notes today is this. Surrender like David, not like Saul. We need to surrender like David, not like Saul. David's heart struck him. This is crazy. David's heart. When our hearts are after God's heart, the Holy Spirit guides us. When we are marinated in God's word in relationship with him, we will follow his leading. Who likes a steak here? Anybody likes steak? I, I love a really good steak. Okay, chicken then. I saw three hands for steak. Chicken. Anybody like chicken? 
Okay, three more. Salmon, I'm trying. Hit, work with me here, people. No, we, we love, you get that great steak, like a good ribeye, right? And it, you've picked it out. You bring it home. You fire up the grill, and that thing's hot. It's searing. It's ready to go, and you're like, man, I'm ready to throw this ribeye on there. And then you think to yourself, I've got this marinade. And this marinade, I, I've had it for a while, and I know it's a really good marinade. I tried it, and you're like, all right, you shut off the grill, you go take that ribeye steak or sirloin or whatever it may be, and you put it in that marinade, and, and you let it marinate. And I, I mean, an hour is okay, two hours is okay, but come on, let's go overnight, right? Let that marinade really sink in. I mean, you want the flavor of that marinade in that steak for or chicken or salmon for every little bite, right? And so you let it marinate overnight, and that next day you fire up the grill, and man, Wow, you have one of the best steaks you've ever had. Marinate in God's word. Let it sink in. Let it soak in. Go to the cross of Christ. Sit at the foot of the cross, seeing our Savior crucified for us. Meditate on him. That he would give his life for us. This God-man, this truly God and truly man, Jesus Christ, who left heaven for me and you and took on flesh, became a man living a, a perfect life that's required by a righteous and perfect God. Living that for me and you and then dying a sinner's death that we deserve. When we sit at the foot of the cross, when we see our Savior given his life for us, his blood shed for our sins, that, when we let that sink in, when we marinate in that, the truth of who he is and what he's done comes out in every little bite of our lives. We find ourselves in conversations with people talking about a Savior. We find ourselves talking to our family members, friends, or coworkers about this amazing Savior who did something in me we never thought we'd ever see done. And then, then we can actually live out life in, in this connected relationship with, with God, a surrendered relationship with God. And that's what we see in David. Think about this scenario, right? Saul's in this cave, not suspecting anything, doing his business, right? Completely defenseless. David's men are with David, and they're like, this is it. This is what God has promised you. He said he would hand your enemy over to you, that he'd place him in your hands. David is there. He's already been anointed king by Samuel, right? He's been anointed. It's there. It's happening. You know, it is, the kingdom is at his fingertips. Can you imagine this? Everything that you've been promised, every hope and dream that you've had and held on to for your entire life is right here. I mean, it is at the tip of your fingers. And God says, Wait. Wait, what, what? You said, it's here. The kingdom's here. The promise is here. Wait. What kind of relationship did David have to have with God to have that kind of trust? Right? 
That's not built overnight. It's not built overnight. That's, that's one seriously marinated steak, right? I think David remembered. And I think we need to remember. David, David remembered when he was a shepherd boy. And he's protecting his sheep and watching the sheep. And that first lion came to take a sheep. And he had a couple stones and a slingshot. Have you ever, you think, have you ever fought a lion with a stone and a slingshot, anybody? Probably wouldn't end well. But God protected him. Lions and bears would come. And, and David, trusting God, I'm sure, and full of prayer, protected the sheep. You know, I bet, I bet David, at that moment in that cave, remembered Goliath. That God, God was faithful. Standing in front of one of the largest human beings to ever walk the planet makes Shaq look like one of the littlest guys ever. Standing in front of Goliath with thousands of men behind him shaking in their boots. I bet David remembered that moment. I bet David remembered God's faithfulness. When, when God says surrender, when God says wait, we can surrender when we remember. That's my little, that's my little line takeaway. When, when we can re- re- surrender, we can surrender when we remember what God's done in our lives. So what, what is it in your life? Where, where is it and what did God do opening your eyes? Maybe, maybe it was at salvation where God revealed who he is to you and who you are. Maybe it was something really difficult that he's taken you through. The loss of a loved one, or maybe you lost a job, or, or whatever it may be. It was God walking with you through that really difficult time. Do you remember God's goodness? Do you remember God's faithfulness? Do we remember God's power and his presence in our lives? We become a people after God's own heart, like David was, when we are a people obsessed with who he is, what he's done, and what he will do. We are a worshiping people. We were created to worship God. All of us, I mean, from the time we are born, are looking for something or someone to worship, to give our time to, to focus on. I mean, that's what, that's what we saw as we've gone through 1 Samuel with the Israelites. They wanted a king, right? They had the Lord, but they wanted something they could touch, somebody they could worship right there, right in their midst, somebody they could hear and talk to right face to face. They had their creator, but they wanted something else. They wanted to be like the people around them. We were created to be in relationship with God, a people worshiping him, a praying people, a worshiping people, a preoccupied people. That's how we can surrender. As we become a people preoccupied with Christ. All right, it gets a little worse. Let's jump to chapter 28. It says, in those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war. Here we go. To fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. And David said to Achish, very well, you shall know what your servant can do. 
And Achish said to David, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel, and they camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. And then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went, he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, Divine for me by a spirit, and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. The woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. What? <laughs> Saul, I mean, you talk about going from bad to ugly. Saul goes from the light to the darkness real quick. He, instead of waiting on the Lord, instead of looking for a, a priest or someone that can speak for the Lord, he just goes right to the dark side, right to the dark side necromancers, mediums. This is, I told you guys, this was like a Netflix series you could binge, right? If you read through 1 Samuel, it is crazy what Saul is willing to do. Right into the dark side, they have a seance to bring in some spirit. It It is crazy. But David, David surrenders even in the waiting. That's the fill in, the second fill in in your notes. Surrender to God even in the waiting. Saul never surrendered, and he never waited. We've seen it over and over again over the last couple weeks. But David surrendered and waited. In Isaiah 40, 31, it says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Who here likes waiting? I mean, red lights are your cup of tea. Long lines at the grocery store are what you live for. You try not to order from Amazon Prime because it comes too quick. So you order everything through FedEx and it comes five months later. And now you're waiting for me to talk. No, we all want what we want and we want it right now, right? That's that's kind of our society. It's that instant gratification. It's that I want this now. I'm not going to wait. And we're, we're not... We're not willing to wait for anything. And when we do have to wait, the complaining comes, right? I mean, it's this, it's this ongoing, can you believe this guy in front of me? I mean, we sat at this green light for a full second and a half before traffic started to move. Don't they know I have places to be, people to see? It's hard to wait. I mean, we, we've seen it in Saul. So we know what not to do, right? We don't want to rush into things. We don't, I mean... Obviously, you don't go to a medium. We don't go to the dark side. We don't look for those things. The first thing we do 
and you're going to love this one. The first thing we do is we pray for patience. This is, this is something I always tell myself, Matt, don't pray for patience. Because you, God will start to work patience in you, and it's really, really hard. But this is, this is something that we desperately need. We need the fruit of his spirit in us, and we need to pray for patience. So that's kind of, that's the first piece. That's the, the first thing I'm going to ha- have you do this week is, is in your quiet time when you're reading your Bible and praying to the Lord, I want us to pray for patience this week. And don't be surprised when you have to be patient, right? Let's not get frustrated. No road rage this week. Way to work. But pray for patience. The second thing we need to do is go to our brothers and sisters in Christ and ask for advice. This is a huge one. When, when you're making a decision or something's going on in your life and you're like, Lord, what are you doing in this? Maybe, maybe you're looking for a new job. Maybe, maybe it's a, a big move coming up. Or maybe there's some difficulties in your relationships and you're wondering how to go about it and, and all these other things. Go to a trusted brother or sister in Christ, somebody who's seasoned a little bit. They've lived a, bit, a little bit of life. And go to them and ask for their input. I mean, just lay it out there for them. I know nobody likes to talk about their struggles. Nobody likes to say, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with this difficult things. We don't like that. But the Bible actually tells us we should do that with one another. There should be this vulnerability and honesty and truth in, in our, our Christian relationship. I mean, that's what we just talked about, right? In membership. That there's this commitment and vulnerability and accountability that is seen all throughout the New Testament in the body of Christ, the church. And that's what God calls us into. So what I'm going to tell you is if you're going through something, you're working through something, talk to a trusted brother or sister in Christ. Ask them for their input. Okay, you ready for the third thing? Then actually take their advice. (laughs) Right? That's the big number three. To actually walk through with what they're telling you and what they're talking about. Now, now, first, you want to weigh it out with Scripture, right? As we do with everything. Hopefully, after every Sunday morning, you're opening your Bible and saying, man, was Matt you know, on, on, on God's Word today or not? That's what we all should do. And when you talk to that brother or sister in Christ, go to God's Word. Weigh it out with God's Word. And if it aligns with God's Word, then, then do it. Walk through it. And then pray that they'll walk through it with you because it's going to be hard, right? Pray for patience. Talk to a trusted brother or sister in Christ who's seasoned and has done some life. And then weigh it in God's word and walk through it. Do what God calls us to do. Really, when we talk about surrender, and you see what's going on here with Saul and what's going on here with David, This is the question we have to answer. And this is the question David has already answered, and it's the question Saul has already answered. They have two completely different answers. Is God enough? When the rubber meets the road in your life, when Saul was king, he was doing really well, 
until he got impatient and didn't trust the Lord and then started doing what only a priest was meant to do and making sacrifices and breaking God's commands and disobeying God. What he was saying is, God, you're not enough. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to play God in my life and I'm going to be, be what I want to be and do what I want to do. Saul was so in love with his throne, he was willing to disobey God and not surrender the throne. And it's leading him down this dark, dark path to necromancy and mediums and seances and trying to kill David, dedicating all of the forces of Israel to find David and kill him. Even while the enemies are trying to attack Israel, David's defending Israel. Saul is trying to kill David. It's this crazy thing going on. He's unwilling to relinquish the throne, unwilling to surrender. We're going to find out where that leads him here in just a few minutes. And then you have David. Is God enough for David? The kingdom's at his fingertips. They're in a cave. He could, he could take Saul's life. His men are like, do it. This is what God promised. He said he would deliver you right to your hands. But David was walking so closely with God that when the Holy Spirit struck his heart, You know what, God? I don't need the throne. You are enough. What is it in your life that's challenging that? I mean, all of us, all of us who have put our faith and trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ want to say wholeheartedly, God, you are enough. You're enough right now. I'm sitting here on Sunday morning, singing these songs, listening about God's word, hearing about this song. God, you are enough. And then Monday morning comes along and you get fired. And you're like, God, you plus a job are enough. Or, or uh, God, you plus, you know, uh, a paycheck and, and retirement and health insurance and, and all, the, the, all that's enough. God, you're enough. God plus Saul, right? God, you and me being king, that's enough. David had the kingdom at his fingertips and relinquished it, surrendered it to God. That's, that's, the, that's the question we have to ask ourselves. God, what is it that I'm, I'm adding to that sentence? Is God enough? God, you are enough. What's, what's the plus sign for? What is it that I'm holding on to? What is it I'm desiring? What is it I'm going after that says you're not enough? God, what is it? What is it in me? Is God enough? We say yes with our mouths, but sometimes we say no with our actions. And truthfully, we need to repent. We need to ask for God's forgiveness for that. When we can answer that question with, with the difficult yes, we will begin the journey towards true surrender, true surrender to God. All right, this is where it all comes to an end, chapter, thir- or chapter 31. And we're going to see that the fruit of Saul's disobedience and lack of surrender. And then we'll see... David's the fruit of what true surrender is. 
Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, and the Philistines struck down Jonathan, Abinadab, Malchishua, and the sons of Saul. The battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. And here again, we see Saul unwilling to do his own dirty work. Have you noticed that through this whole thing? Misery loves company, and he invites everyone around him into his sin. He's trying to kill himself, and he's like, nah, will you kill me for me? I mean, he did the same thing earlier on. But his armor bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore, Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. When his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell upon his sword and died with him. Thus Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor bearer, and all his men, on the same day together. And when the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those beyond the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled, and the Philistines came and lived in them. If we don't surrender to the Lord, we will die. We die. The third feeling is this. There's joy in humble surrender but prideful resistance leads to death. There's joy in humble surrender, but prideful resistance leads to death. David refused to kill God's anointed king, even though this king was trying to kill him. Saul would not lay down his crown, even when God turned against his kingship. Now get this. The symbol of the king is... The king's armor, the king's crown, and the king's sword. The symbol of the throne is the king's sword. What killed Saul? His sword. And this is the truth of the story. Our idols will kill us. The things that, that we're holding on to, the things that we desire more than God and his righteousness, those things that we're unwilling to relinquish, unwilling to surrender to him, will kill us. The sword, the sign of the throne, killed Saul. We all, here's, here's the thing, we all need help surrendering like David did. We all have idols in our lives that we're holding on to. So what idols is it? Is it money, a relationship, ease of life, convenience, cheesecake, gluttony? I don't, I think Andrew put that in there. Gluttony, the American dream, the house, the job, the car, maybe it's approval or fear of man or success. What is it? Jesus taught us that the perfect law of God was impossible for us to live up to and that we would struggle and have to battle against our fleshly desires. And, and the truth is that all of us need a Savior like I talked about earlier. Every single one of us need a Savior. 
So there's, there's two types of surrender that I want us to talk about just here real quickly. The first one is this. If you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, you need to surrender your life to Jesus. If you have not, you are living out your life under the wrath of God. A holy and perfect God demands holiness, righteousness, and perfection. And if you have not surrendered your life to Christ, you are living under his wrath. But I want you to know there's really, really, really good news. Jesus, God's only son, God sent him to die for you so that you wouldn't have to live your life out under his wrath. Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself when he died on the cross. He took all of our sin on himself. God's wrath came down on him, and he died that sinner's death that we deserve. So if you haven't put your trust in him, put your trust in him right now. It is by grace, through faith, in Christ alone that we are saved. You don't have to, you don't have to live up to this perfect standard. Jesus did. You don't have to be perfectly righteous Jesus is and he says put your trust in me surrender your life to me and you can live eternally with him in heaven that's the good news surrender your life to him and you can have eternity with him the second type of surrender is this Christians we've been walking out this life with him and I want you to hear this real clearly He's calling you to deeper surrender now. Not deeper surrender next year. Not more surrender next week. Not more surrender. He's calling you deeper and closer to him, surrendering more and more and more of your life right now. And I've been praying this whole time I've been preaching that While I'm saying these words, the Holy Spirit's moving in your heart, showing you what you need to surrender. Because I can't do it. I can come up with a list of a thousand things, and I can open God's word and, and say it to you. But I am trusting that the Holy Spirit, God, is working in your heart right now saying, Hey, you know what? I'm talking to you right now. And here's the thing you're holding on to. Am I enough in this part of your life? Am I enough in this part of your life? We want to be a surrendered people. And here's here's what the Christian life is. It's a life of continual, reoccurring surrender. There's going to be things that you need to surrender to him today, things that you need to surrender to him tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, Because God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And over time, he's going to open your eyes and show you those things that you need to give to him. I always jokingly say there's there's one thing we should be professionals at as Christians. There's one, one thing, maybe two, that we should be professionals at as Christians. Most of you have heard this already. Some of you haven't. And it's repenting. We should be professional repenters. Right? Because we need to come to God over and over again with these things and say, God, change me, God, grow me, and God, have your way. Can you say amen to that? Okay, good. We can move forward then. But if you haven't given your life to Christ, we would love to pray with you today. 
The band's about to come out. We're going to sing a song. If you'd like to come and receive prayer and pray with someone to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, please come and do that. The other thing is if you're working through surrendering something that's really difficult, maybe, you know, you've controlled things for so long, but the Lord's moving on you saying, hey, you need to give this up. I said, hey, talk to a seasoned Christian brother, sister in Christ. We have some of those that are going to come up here. They're going to be available to pray with you, too. And we just want to walk with you through the difficult things, walk with you through the joyful things in the Christian life as we are God's church together. Now, I, I wanted to say this when we were doing the membership class. We're not here to build a big church. We're here to build a family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we want to be that for each other. So if you'd like to receive prayer, please come forward after the, the band plays. There'll be some some of the prayer team and elders will be up here to pray. But let's stand as we worship God in this last song.